Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This Actual Play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This Actual Play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael. We return to Masks of Neuroftep for this special spotlight episode with everyone's favorite doctor. And so I'll uh, let the doctor introduce himself. Hi, this is James, and I'll be playing the well-known doctor, Sigmund Tartenbach. And, um, well, I mean, it sounds like I'm having a nap, so I might as well get some things done, you know. Yeah, you might as well get some things done. So the last time we saw you on camera... You had uh, put yourself into a wonderful trance, perhaps with a bit of the leftover hash that you had you had secured in a different country, and you'd put yourself into a nice deep trance, then suddenly slipped out of your body. When doing so, you had noticed two very large feet, which were attached to two very long legs, which seemed to extend out of the ceiling of the room that you were in. And floating up, you saw this. Dreamland's version, perhaps a, a aura or image of the tiny little creature in the cage that you have, which in this space is not so tiny. And the cage is nowhere to be seen, yeah? Yes, correct. It's it's not like proportionately large and just looming around the, the whole place that we're in. No, but the creature does seem to be stationary, at least for the few moments that you've been floating here. It doesn't seem to be able to move, um, but it is definitely looking around. With that one eye, it sort of seems to scan the space it, it acknowledges you with a bit of a, mm-hmm. I guess, chitter is the best word for it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, I uh, I present myself to it as like um like I'm meeting someone, uh, a bow and an introdu- formal introduction. Mm-hmm. Good evening, friend. I don't know if you can understand me here. Or if perhaps you are still of the animal cunning that you have in the waking world, but my name is Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, and I believe we will be traveling companions for a short time. It stares at you, seems to hone in a little bit with that eye you can watch. (laughs) Given that it's so big, you can see the eye, the focal of that lens change. And (laughs) it chitters a little bit. You don't really get a positive or negative impression, but it does acknowledge your presence. Doc holds his hand up. Well, you, I'm, I am going to go see some things. You, you stay here and, um, keep an eye out for things, yeah? I mean, um, keep it a watch on things. It it was not a, I'm going to go. (laughs) You see it almost like a eight or maybe nine-year-old kid. The shoulders slump a little bit. There's an exhale and it watches you leave. Noticing that it stops and it slumps a little turn back around. Would would you like to come with, my friend? Its head peers down back to the building. You you can't Mm. see your body from where you're at, Um, but it it peers back down. You are bound to your physical form, yeah? Mm. And I don't know of a way to take it with me. All right, well, I will not be gone long. It barks 
Uh, I think that's the best equivocation I can make. It makes a really, like a sound. Okay. I, Doc gives it an acknowledged nod. And floats off in the direction that he feels the tea house. Uh, knowing that the mm-hmm. Dreamlands isn't a specifically, it would be quote unquote that way. Mm-hmm. It's directional, but only in the rudest of, like ru- rudimentary ways possible. You float off the building, still in the air, uh, and continue your pace floating until you eventually softly um, come back down to, I guess, ground in a manner of speaking. Um, the buildings here are very much symbols of this, I guess, the overall emotional state of the place. Like, there are a series of beautiful, vibrant yellows, reds, greens, different colors that sort of pock the landscape here. And instead of the standard corrugated metal or steel um, shacks that are present in a lot of uh, Swahili town and those uh, Somali town, those sort of uh, parts of Nairobi, these are um, conical. They almost remind you of evergreen trees that you'd seen in Chicago. They're wide and they sort of sweep through the landscape here and you can see them in different pockets. You can see them really well against the English style homes which are here, which are purple and sort of blue blocks. They almost look like enormous blocks of ice. They don't give off the same sort of um, cold uh, that you're aware of, but you can see that they're very regimented. That kind of a translucent look like that. You bet. You bet. Um, but you can certainly tell the the local buildings, the the ones that have that those vibrant colors are clearly, they set sort of as a stark contrasting color against uh, the other forms that are here. Doc strolls through the I guess, concept of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Kind of feeling the the energies of the area, seeing them and their their manifestations as they are to the I guess this would be almost the the subconscious of the of the local people. I think that that's a great analogy that you can probably pull from it. And you can tell the difference, the the vitality, the vibrancy of the shapes around you do seem to correlate. That said, finding your way through them is a a little bit of a challenge. It it takes a few moments to figure out the puzzle. Uh, And the puzzle piece is, is that all of the vibrant conical shaped local structures are interwoven. They form almost like a mesh. And so they overlap one into another, into another, into another. The, the blockhouses are different. They're separate. They can be separated. They don't intermingle at all. They don't have that um, almost a, a weave of life that's going through them. Yep. Doc marvels at the, the complexity of the, the minds that have put this together, although the, the minds themselves won't ever probably, most of them, experience this amazingness and then shakes his head a little bit and uh, 
begins to look specifically for uh, heavy traffic areas, which I guess in the weave would probably be um, thicker parts or more vibrant parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bet. Finding those marketplaces is not terribly difficult because the trails from these conical buildings almost weave these streams, these rivulets of color, green and yellow and red and these beautiful colors from these conical buildings stream out, creating footpaths. And you see where they congregate. You see where these marketplaces are in the dreamlands. There are beings there as well. Doc decides to uh, to check one of those out. That that would probably also give him a fairly interesting n- notion as to the local uh, commissary attitudes, as well as the merchants in the area. And who knows? He might it might lead him uh, to other places. So he's his curiosity is going to let his curiosity lead him by the nose. Uh, you know what they said about curiosity, though. Uh, it's the cat was totally fine and everything was okay. That's correct. Everything totally fine. Nothing ever bad happened at all to that cat. The paths here that lead into these marketplaces, there are creatures here. Tall. They are a bit strangely shaped. At the top of their head seem to have very large mouths, um, powerfully built arms, and the, the limbs sort of bifurcate at the elbow, which instantly reminds you of the creature. Hmm. But these seem to be just enormous, like by comparison. These have to be 10, 15 feet tall, each one of them. Mm. And they're sort of milling about this space. The main body is as large as a barrel. But for whatever reason, they don't seem to react to your presence. Are they doing labor, um, uh, conceptual labor in the marketplace? They do. They do seem to be moving things around. Okay. I let them work. I don't interrupt them. I, I don't know if it would be good to let them or to interrupt them anyway, uh, especially if they are the a a, a conceptual spirit of com- of uh, commerce and work. It would probably not be great for the marketplace for me to go, you know, poking that with a stick. Fair enough. Uh, floating about the marketplace, um, you can watch those paths, those colored paths, as they lead you north to a spot not too terribly far away from that first heavier marketplace. This definitely has a different feel to it. The colors here, the vibrancy of the red changes quite a bit. And it's definitely on more display. And then you get the first tinges of gold in some of the architecture here. The houses are no longer conical. They're in sort of strange swept form so all of the roofs are um, more like a-frame houses here with um, adornments on the top of them so these look to be more sophisticated concepts yeah yeah okay interesting doc uh, casts about directly or not directly but for the um rough direction of of the tea house as he's walking along and examining these houses he wants to see what 
how the concepts are changing as he gets closer to where he's going if the the gold increases it does seem to it does seem to increase slightly and you get to this place where there's where there's a as you look down there's almost a tree branch style pattern of all the um, colors that move in and out hmm Duck puts his hand on it briefly to see if he can feel the energy going through it or if it's more of just a visual thing. There's definitely some energy flowing through here. You get the sense of friends talking, of relaxation, of the need for a drumbeat in life. A constant. Um, And that's when you smell oranges. And then clove. And all of these other botanicals start to come in towards you. He definitely follows his senses on that one. You follow it to to the doorstep of one of these locations. And the doors to this building are closed. Closed to me? Um, As you look at them, they, they appear closed. Doc attempts to open one of the doors. Yeah, you reach up and reach for the handle. And you get a sort of immediate flash, like a hot stove flash on your hand. He instinctively jerks his hand back. Mm. It's the the concept of pain, essentially. Yes, that's the exact concept. The concept is pain. Um, You even feel your fingers throb a little bit. Mm. Almost as if they're numb. Interesting. I have to remember to put some salve on that later. Someone does not want me to come here. Doc, uh, are there door knockers? Uh, no, there are not. There are two twin handles. There are vertical handles. And uh, under closer inspection, you see that they appear to take the shape of a long lizard with a big head. Hmm. Doc takes his uh, takes a handkerchief from his pocket and wraps it around his hand and and attempts the uh, the door handle again. Does he get a similar reaction? You do. You get a similar okay. reaction. And the colors at your feet of so many different traffic steps, they ripple a little bit. And you watch as these tiny rivulets of, of color begin to get overcome by a sort of dark and purple shade that starts eking its way out of the cracks in the door. Mm. Uh, Doc backs up some away from the door and examines this this purple energy to make sure that Uh, First of all, make sure he doesn't touch it and that it doesn't touch him. But moreover, he he also wants to make sure that no other energies or entities are coming from behind him in regards to this. Sure. Uh, You get a a check of your bearings really quick just to be sure that everything is okay. And then you examine the energy here just visually at first. And it seems to overtake the colors as it interacts with them. It almost is a a chemical component, which is heavier. It lays on top of them. And then 
the colors slowly begin to fade out or almost burn away. And all that's left is this purple and sort of midnight shade of black that's here. Does it, is it emanating from what I conceptually understand to be the tea house? Yeah, that, that is okay. likely given what you see here. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, Doc is not one to just uh, shy away from things, especially something as curious as this. So he, uh, he he's going to be a little more proactive than he usually is. And let's see. Let's see if he, he wonders if he can not exactly fight fire with fire, but he see it is conceptual. So he um he envisions a a torch in his hand. Uh, uh, like a an acetylene torch, mm-hmm. something hot enough to burn away this purple. Okay, yeah. In your hand appears a torch. Uh, he attempts to light it and does as as he was thinking. He attempts to burn away some of this purple to see if it is it will respond or if it will respond in, in a negative way and start locating him. Mm-hmm. It does seem to shy away from the flame, at least for a little bit. You see it, it it sort of stops proceeding your way. You bring the fire closer to it, and the concept of fire seems to have some effect on it. Okay. It's with that extra light that you have from the torch, you realize that the entire bottom of these doors is now sort of beginning to reverse rain this color and so it starts dripping up the doors so it's it's coating the doors from the bottom up mm-hmm. mm. well there's more than one way to skin a cat or in this case doc looks at it let's see that must be another way in perhaps above uh, doc takes to the air and looks at the the building from uh, from above Yes, that is an entirely different perspective. Out the back of this building, if looking at the from the top of, you know, sort of this aerial view you have now, I, you'd seen that spread pattern which looked like leaves or branches on a tree. The back looks like a root system, and that root system is this same purple color, and it echoes out from the back of the tea house probably four or five fold in distance Mm, so this looks like it's a almost an introductory point to this or a focal point to this purple energy if you didn't know it any better doctor you would say this looks like an infection Mm. well sometimes you want to deal with an infection you have to call a doctor So uh, Doc looks at this this purple infection, um, this uh, infected vein almost, mm-hmm. or a, a celestial circulatory system, circulatory system, if you will. Sure. He wonders if he can administer antibiotics. Okay. Uh, a, a medicine, if you will. Uh, he 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 changes the torch to literally a, a just just a salve or a. Um, a topical ointment that he can put on this purple from a distance. The, the wood of that torch morphs into a deep bowl. And in that bowl, there is something that is 
sticky and um, sort of earthy smelling. It doesn't rightly smell like a doctor's office or a you know a vat of cleaning supplies, but in your mind you you understand it to be some sort of salve. It's it smells like healing to me. Would smell. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is probably going to burn like a bastard, but Doc is used to that, so he uh, burns or <laughs> burns are an old friend. Uh, so Doc. Uh, dips his hands in the salve and and, uh, places them on this purple nastiness Mm -hmm. and attempts to do what he does best, which is apply the healing arts in one form or another. You reach out with that salve and you make contact with at least a portion of this color. And you feel it, you feel the reverberation through your own hand, that hand that has the burned fingertips or the, the numb ones, at least a little bit. You feel it touch you back. It is exceedingly disconcerting. The revulsion you get from it, feeling that energy is a little unlike anything that you've experienced in some time. It feels corrosive not to your flesh but to your spirit it feels like it wants to consume the best parts of you it wants to corrupt your thoughts it wants to uh, take over the the some sort of subsume your spirit and take over what you want with what it wants it's desperate it's hungry, and you don't know if there's a way to stop it. All these thoughts like flood into your head at once. Doc yanks his hands back from the from the infection, attempting to break the contact that it has. <sighs> I see. You are not simply an infection. You are more. You are. You are the concept of an infection. You are hunger. I think you are what we have been looking for all this time. The doors to the building shudder. And you are almost here, aren't you? Wish to push through these doors, yeah? Doc, he floats a little higher to see that trail of infection. Is it heading off towards a, a distant dark purple mountain no not exactly actually it's a little bit more Mm. insidious than that what you notice is that the roots of this infection are actually dotted all over the buildings here and you could follow those trails to different portions just visually different portions of the city you see that they walk amongst many of the buildings here and it's, it reminds you of, um, it reminds you of when a cold takes hold in an apartment building and one family gets sick and then the next one does. You, you begin to sort of flutter back to 1919 and the, the terrible flu uh, that took hold and just sort of ran like hot fire through a straw filled barn. This 
It is taking hold like the influenza. Yeah. It is good to see the, enemy, the face of my enemy, my enemy. But I wonder, are these the people that are infected with the concept of this thing? In which case, he looks around at the number of webs and, and strands of this going across the city. Which I assume is not small. No, um, I would say more than a handful. You would say likely more than a baker's dozen. Um, it could be two dozen places at the very least that seem infected with this. There are some bright spots um, that it has not infected everything, but it has made it to many buildings, including many of the sort of block grid buildings that are here. Doc is interested to try something. He's going to try to leave a mark near one of these buildings in the dreamland to see if he can find that essence mark in the waking world. Mm -hmm. Cause he knows it's possible to transition back and forth even physically, but he's that's well beyond him. And that's not something he even really wants to try at this moment anyway. But he's wondering if he can leave a mark on the on the concept of the building here so that he could recognize it in the waking world. Okay. I think that that's likely possible. I guess I will ask you, the player, hmm. what do you think Sigmund would sacrifice to do such a thing? I'll say that it comes at a cost. Hmm. How, how important it is, is it to you? This seems like it would be a fairly important important thing to know um, for us in the waking world. Doc, Doc feels like this is something that, he, that, that, that the others would want to know, uh, the, the places where this infection has reached, as Doc reasons that this this infection is, is the, the cult that's in the area, and if we knew fairly clearly where a lot of these spaces were, it would give us probably a, a better strategic advantage. So... He invests a little of his essence into it. Okay. And uh, in order to make the mark, it, he, he invests revulsion into it as well. Uh, happiness is not something that this is going to be linked to, so he has decided that revulsion is a good way for the mark to make itself known. Okay. Interesting. So what I'll say functionally is that it's going to cost you two points of magic which will take some time to return right they're they're invested points correct definitely not one per hour no doc is willing to invest those points until he they either leave the area or he sees the marks okay so they would basically basically essentially be temporarily permanently gone i would just say that you invest them and that there'll be an indeterminate time when they come back to you. Perfect. Um, but the uh, the doors to this place rumble again. Mm. Doc is... Uh, part of him wants to almost lance the boil and open the doors, but part of him is actually fairly afraid of what might happen if he does open the doors. But Doc has never been one for caution. Okay. <laughs> Curiosity over caution. <laughs> okay so uh, yeah he he uh he has to witness what's going to happen when those doors bust open because how, how would you go about breaching the doors would you reach out to them would you grab onto them and try to fling them open doc has learned his lesson about physically c 
con- well, uh, psychophysically contacting this, uh, or metaphysically contacting this, whatever it is. So he, Doc makes one of the, uh, one of the Bolshevik devices that he saw in his, in his younger days of the, the black powder bombs that he saw that are essentially a, a literal clay sphere with an old wick. Hmm. Okay, he makes the image of a destructive force, a bomb of sort, mm-hmm. and you uh, whip it at the door. Exactly. Um, it collides with the door, shattering, and then there is a significant boom that goes out. It drops you out of the air. It pushes you back against another series of these houses. Um, and then displayed for you is a wide, uh, almost net of this purplish material that sprays outward, but holds its form. So imagine a imagine a water balloon, and imagine the water pop the balloon popping, and that water spray that happens, but gravity just simply never takes hold and brings it brings it to Earth. Um, it sits there in the air. As a spray. Okay. Does it um, continue to expand slowly or? It does. And what the noise which rides out behind it is the horrifying sound of a baby crying. <sighs> the doc thinks of it as a uh, an unfortunate, like a mutated birth kind of a thing that's coming out of here, an infected birth, a ectopian thing. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the essence he's getting from this? <laughs> that's no happy baby cry. No, it um, it smells like something you've smelled before a little bit. There's, a, there's that scent that comes along with this fluid being exposed. It almost smells like rotten amniotic fluid. Mm. Duct instinctively covers his face, even though he's not really smelling it. Part of his brain doesn't register that. And uh, he, yeah, covers his face so that whatever this stink is can't get into his head anymore. It reminds you of meconium. That's what this stuff in the air smells like. And it smells like a fetid, rotted mess. Mm. Yeah, Doc picks himself up off of the side of this building into the ground and backs away quickly from this slowly expanding purple. Doc is now worried that as it spreads, it's going to start infecting these other houses around it. It's certainly possible. But you did what you wanted to do. You wanted to lance it. And now the boil has... It has popped this terrible boil. The infection is now out. It eats away... At the bottom, the wood that makes up the house, it seems to even eat away at the previous purple fluid which was there. It gouges the ground when it finally and sort of inexorably falls to earth. And you can hear it there in the shadow of the building. Net. The space that's left over after the doors have opened. This blackened pit. You hear uh, something mewling. 
you're not sure if you would call it a, a baby. There's, there's something different about that sound. It's not a pleasant sound. It's a sound that gets into your ear canal and, and fights for dominance. And it's coming out of the, the, whole, the gaping wound hole where this door used to be, or, or kind of is. Right. So some dark thing is trying to birth itself out to here into our world, essentially. Doc, uh, shine. Can he find a light or make a light? I mean, his, his brain is trying to re trying to, to stay whole in this situation so that he can continue to craft concept items. But it's, it's very tough. Um, you, you're finding it now with this, just even being in this area, you're starting to find it hard to concentrate. Doc backs away um, and leaves the area entirely. Uh, does not turn his back on this, though. He he keeps an eye on it as he leaves. This is more than I think he's ready for. Or he he's starting to fear that this that he might be a very small fish in a very large pond. I think that that's a fantastic portion for us to end on. We see Dr. Tottenbach having lanced terrible wound, realizing that he may have gotten more than he bargained for. Uh, so I'll thank James for his time, and then uh, we'll see you next episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.